Bismillah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. In the name of God, the most beneficent, the most merciful. All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God leads astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God, alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. You who believe, be mindful of God, as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourself to God to your dying moment. Quran chapter 3, 102. Assalamu <laughs> Welcome to the fifth Juma, fifth year of um, many, many Jummas that have happened. Before I formally begin, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath and feel free to take as many deep breaths as you feel called. I know I might take a pause to do that myself. So today I'm going to speak to you about the journey of becoming a faith leader and trusting your intuition through the story of Prophet Moses, Musa, peace be upon him, and his mother. But first, I want to just start with sharing a little bit about my own story. Ever since I can remember, people always refer to me as that nice, sweet girl, and always smiling. And it was a compliment, and I take that compliment, but as I kept hearing that same compliment over and over, all the way into college, I started internalizing it and eventually wondered if I would ever be more than that nice, sweet girl. What value do I have to offer besides that? Being nice and sweet somehow didn't feel good enough as I watched others do amazing things. You know, they were funny, they were fun to be around, they were active in sports, winning debates. Um, had big dreams, were working hard to support their families. I mean, there were just so many things that inspired me. And I started questioning if I could ever be more than that nice, sweet girl. And it was during the stage at the age of 15 when I entered a new world. Here, United States of America, from Pakistan, and I watched a new world unfold in front of me. I was feeling unsure of myself because everything was new, um, and I had to figure out how I could show up and be myself and contribute in this very confident, fast-paced world. And that is exactly when 9-11 hit. I was a senior in high school and sitting in my government econ class, waiting for the teacher to come when some one of my classmates said to the other, why do they hate us? silence. I felt the pain behind that question. I felt the longing to understand and make sense of a terrible tragedy. And I was shocked. Wait, who is us and who is them? Am I part of them because I'm Muslim? Up until now, I thought I was part of us, this school, this city, this country. But now I felt alienated and obligated at the same time to stand up, say, no, they do not hate you. 
these few individuals and the hateful crimes is not reflective of anyone but themselves. This is wrong. This is not Islam. Suicide is a grave sin. War is only allowed in self-defense. Even then, there are strict limitations and guideline codes of war. The Quran says that even taking one innocent life is like taking the lives of all humankind. Everything about the 9-11 attack contradicted what I knew to be true of Islam. Silence. I didn't say a word. This long, passionate uh, speech was all in my head, and for days, literally, the same speech went over and over, replayed itself. But I didn't say anything to anyone. That was the first time I felt obligated, but didn't. I couldn't. I didn't have the confidence or the guts. I feared the consequences. I feared what would happen if I no longer was that nice, sweet girl. And most of all, I feared, what if they ask me questions that I don't have answers to? I can't possibly reply with, I don't know. Wouldn't that then weaken my credibility and my claims of Islam? Silence. It wasn't until college, and truth be told, after college, that I really found my voice and the confidence to speak up by starting to participate in interfaith organizations and programs, even then not as an expert, just as myself, this name, a person who cares and is willing to share her experiences her, and her perspectives. Can you think of a time when you felt unable to speak up? Perhaps a time you questioned your ability and credibility to contribute in ways that you were called? And did you know that our prophets also felt the exact same way and questioned? In chapter 26, verse 12 and 13, um, this is what it says. This is what God says. Hence, remember how it was when your sustainer summoned Moses, peace be upon him, Go on to those evil-doing people, the people of Pharaoh, who refuse to be conscious of me. Moses replied, O oh, my sustainer, behold, I fear that they will deny me, and they may constrict, and then my chest will constrict in anxiety, and that I will get tongue-tied and unable to speak. I've experienced that. And many of us, whether we like it or not, post 9-11 have felt that burden and that responsibility to speak up and be those ambassadors of Islam, to share the beauty of Islam as we know it, as we live it. And for the last 10 years, I've been actively engaged in interfaith work. I have spoken at various panels and international conferences. I have been that one Muslim in the many meetings I'm the Muslim facilitator for New Ground, Muslim-Jewish Partnership for Change. I've written a book. I've been featured in films or in religion. I've helped hundreds of clients. Why am I sharing this? Not to impress you, but share it because to give you context of my confession. I'm about to confess. In spite of everything, in spite of all of that, those 10 years, until last year, 
I did not feel comfortable seeing myself as a faith leader within my own religious community. The idea of approaching other Muslim scholars, imams, and leaders uh, with ideas and invitations to collaborate with them, to let alone coach them, to build a more compassionate, courageous, curious, inclusive community, which is my calling, felt super duper uncomfortable and frankly, I didn't do it as much. The idea of teaching Islam to my Muslim sisters and friends felt like a foreign idea. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a perfect Muslim. How can I then lead my own community? How am I worthy of giving a khutbah in a mosque? That doesn't make sense, right? Like, it logically doesn't make sense to me. In spite of all my years and experience of certifications and all of that, why didn't I feel worthy enough to be a faith leader? Let me be more specific. Why didn't I feel worthy enough to be an equal to the imams, religious um, scholars, directors, khatibs, and other Muslim leaders? Why? Even though I know that the majority of Muslims around the world who are Sunni, which is my tradition, believe there is no such thing as priesthood or an official religious authority. And even within the Shia sects that hold imams in a very special regard, high regard, there is an encouragement to build your own connection with God, your creator. And regardless of your professional or leadership experiences and scholarship, do you see yourself worthy enough to engage, to discuss, and question these faith leaders with the titles? That's the real question. And what difference would it make in your life, in your family, in your larger community, if you did have a more robust, more honest interaction with these leaders? What would have happened if um, Um Salama, peace be upon her, had not approached the prophet and directly asked him, how come God, it seems like God is only talking to the men in the Quran? And that is exactly because she raised that question is when the verse 3335, um, chapter 33, verse 35 was revealed. Verily, for all men and women who have surrendered themselves unto God, and all believing men and believing women, and all truly devout men and truly devout women, and all men and women who are true to their word, and all men and women who are patient in adversity, and all men and women who humble themselves before God, and all men and women who give in charity, and all self-denying men and self-denying women, and all men and women who are mindful of their chastity, and all men and women who remember God unceasingly, for all of them has God readied forgiveness of sins and a mighty reward. I remember sitting right there with you at the very first khutbah, the very first Juma of the Women's Mosque of America on January 30th, 2015. 
Adina Lekovic was a khatiba, and she referred to this space um, as saying, the beautiful truth is not a departure from our tradition as Muslim women. It is a continuation of our proud legacy for the 1400 plus centuries. And she invited all of us, every one of us, to see ourselves as khatibas by saying the world, and especially our communities, especially our communities, need our voices today. Women's voices of intelligence, justice, compassion, cooperation, and progress. And it is my belief that you have that voice, and it is needed more than ever before. Note she did not say get training first, or become the perfect Muslima, and then teach. Although the Prophet, peace be upon us, told us to seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. So yes, please, let's continue to learn and grow. But stepping into leadership, religious leadership, is not only about what we know or how much or how little we know. Only God knows all. Authentic, powerful leadership is about who we are, what we share, what we experience, and what we learn from it all. These are our real biggest and best teachers of life, and this is where the wisdom lies. And we know this is true from the life of the Prophet as well, peace be upon him. The way he would consult various different women in his household before making important decisions. What really struck me that day, though, at that first woman's mosque, Juma, five years ago. And what gave me an inkling of hope and really that strong push was this verse from the Quran. Go forth and strive and struggle, whether you be equipped lightly or heavily in the cause of God. This is best for you, but you knew. That was a good moment to take a breath. Yeah. Go forth and strive and struggle, whether you be equipped lightly or heavily in the cause of God. That is best for you, but you knew. Hearing this verse, I made the intention that day, I shall strive and struggle, however lightly I was equipped in the cause of God, God knows better than me and what is best. And as my creator and sustainer, he has blessed me abundantly and I'm so grateful. So then who am I to not show my gratitude to my creator by holding back on his gifts and share putting them to good use? Do not trust that God can always provide me with everything I need in my efforts to persevere. Adina's invitation on that first Juma was another calling to speak up, another reminder to recognize all of that equipment that with which I can struggle and strive, and another reminder that I'm not here to live life in a comfortable routine, confined by what I think I should do and, and what I think I'm capable of doing. Instead, this life was given to me to strive and struggle to live with ihsan or excellence. 
That day a seed was planted, as I hope one is being planted in your hearts right now. It wasn't until a year later that Hasna asked me to deliver my first khutbah, and I didn't refuse because I, I was clear about my why, this, but I was super duper nervous nonetheless. This wasn't just another speaking engagement for me. This was not about explaining the basics of religion or sharing my personal experiences for those looking in from the outside. This was not about how well I spoke or all my fears and of not knowing, not being enough, not worthy enough. This was different. I didn't have resistance because I was clear about my why. However, all the hows and what ifs definitely plagued my mind. How do I research and make this a strong khutbah? What if I have to read Arabic and I mess up? What if no one finds my value, any value in what I have to say? What if? What if? I would be speaking to my sisters in faith who are my equals in every way possible. But I felt the presumed pressure of knowing more or saying something so inspirational that would just open your hearts and mind and therefore make me worthy of doing this khutbah. And this nerve pressure was nerve-wracking. It was heavy. I, I had to take a lot of couple of deep breaths. I even made others take more deep breaths with me um, to get over the jitteriness. But again, I find comfort in that even the prophets have felt this way before. When God told Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, to go directly to Pharaoh, he made this dua. O oh, my sustainer, expand my chest and make my task easy for me, and loosen the knots from my tongue so that they might fully understand my speech and appoint for me one of my kinfolk who will help me to bear my burden, Aaron, my brother. Add to my strength through him and let him share my task so that together we might abundantly extol your limitless glory and remember you without seas. Verily, you are always watching over us. We have each other in this space as our errands through sisterhood. We are here today at the Women's Mosque of America. You have your sisters to lean on for support, for ideas, for strength. You have the post-Juma discussion circle to practice using your voice in a safe, non-judgmental space. You've been invited to practice uh, giving the adhan, Arabic again, sorry, not there yet. Um, and God is always guiding, protecting, and watching over all of us. The creator of the universe has the capability to provide tools you need. What mission and purpose are you ready to step into? I say what I've said, may God forgive all of us. Alhamdulillah, all praise and thanks are due to God alone. In addition to this amazing, wonderful, joyful, cake-filled community, what if you had a tool a way to get guidance and support when you most needed it. 
No matter where you are, whether your phone is charged, you have Wi-Fi or reception or not, no matter the time, no matter the situation, you always had something, someone you could rely on for your guidance. This someone would help you to get the answers you're seeking, help you make decisions with greater ease, help you feel more confident and at peace. I love that part help you to step up, break that silence, and answer that calling with assurance. You got this. Someone whose voice was stronger and more convincing than the voices of fear, doubt, and other limiting beliefs. Someone who helped you feel God's presence and guidance at will. Would you like someone like that? always accessible, yeah, woohoo. So let me share with you who this someone is and how you can always, always have this someone available to you at all times. This mysterious person I'm referring to is within you. It's within you, it's your intuition. I use my intuition to guide me for everything. It, the big stuff and the little things. Where to go, like even today, should I take the freeway or the road? Okay, road. You know, where to invest my money, how, to how much to charge for my services, how to respond, what opportunities to accept, which ones to decline, what to eat, like everything. But most importantly, I use my intuition to listen to my calling Answer it and strive with it for Ihsan. Excellence with this excellence of God consciousness. Intuition is informed by a greater awareness and knowing that is not limited to our experiences, knowledge, senses, or even time. It is unrestricted and unbiased and unaffected by our circumstances or limitations. Instead, intuition is a deeper knowing that is connected to something greater than our, us, ourselves. And that something greater is God, our creator and sustainer. It resides within us, but it is informed by everything around us and beyond our, our comprehension. It is the hardest one to capture and describe or measure because it is such an intimate connection. And yet it is the most profound, most wise of all our knowing because it is our direct connection to God. It is God's presence and guidance within us. You might have heard of istikhara, the special guidance prayer for to get clarity. That is one way to access your intuition, God's guidance. In the Quran itself, um, intuition is referred to when talking about Hazrat Moses' mother, peace be upon them both, when she was dealing with the threat of Pharaoh killing her son along with the rest of the male babies in their society. So at that time, there was a revelation, Quran 28.7, said God, you're granted all that you have asked for, O Moses. 
And indeed, we bestowed our favor upon you at a time long since past, when we inspired your mother with this inspiration. Place him in a chest and throw it in the river, and thereupon the river will cast him ashore, and one who is an enemy unto me and an enemy unto him will adopt him. How did Hazrat Musa's mother receive this inspiration with such clear steps and an assurance from God? How does she know she could trust it? Imagine being that mother. How painfully difficult it must have been for her to leave her newborn child, baby, into the river and watch him float away. I can't imagine how much strength, faith, courage it must have required of her. And yet she did it. She did it because she trusted that inspiration. She trusted that it was God's guidance and God is the ultimate protector and ultimate provider. My sisters, today I want to invite you to get curious. Get curious and better acquainted with your intuition to feel more at peace because you know you are being guided by something deeply intimate and trustworthy. How do I get to know, hear, and trust my intuition, you might ask? Great question. To discern your intuitive knowing from other forms of knowing, logical, experiential, sensory, right? Those are the knowings that we are very adept at handling. Someone explained intuition to me like this. Just like you can recognize your best friend or significant other simply by hearing their voice, they don't have to say their name every time, you might not even see them, but you know them. In the same way, get to know your intuition's voice. So how does it work when somebody calls and they don't say their name, but you know? You know because we spend time with them. You know because you take interest in them. We know because you listen to them and gradually we get to know their presence. Can you think of that time you had a gut feeling um, to keep your jacket or leave earlier and you didn't? Or perhaps it was that unexplainable feeling you had to be wary of somebody. Or perhaps it was a time when you instantly felt drawn to somebody but couldn't explain why. These, that was your intuition guiding you. Start listening to your intuition's voice. Start calling upon it. See if you can discern it from your logical and experiential knowing. This is a practice and an awareness you must build. In the beginning, to listen to my intuition, I would have to close my eyes, be in a quiet place, um, to take away all the distractions, take deep breaths, my favorite, and then listen for a thought, a feeling, or question, or sometime it was just a physical sensation. But really listen, really be present to your, and I would, as I would become present to that physical sensation like the pulsation or the tingling 
um, or feeling more cold or hot in a certain part of my body, when I'd focus into it, I would hear or feel my intuitive guidance. The answer would just pop into my consciousness, just like that. Other times, if I was having a hard time focusing, I would bring my hand over my heart. And that works as a physical anchor and helped me to be more present to what was happening inside of me and to listen. I began to recognize my intuition as that small, still voice, sometimes just a whisper, and but always peaceful and grounded and solid. And when I would acknowledge it, this assurance would just wash over me, and I just knew it was my intuition. I just knew it. I could trust it. I just knew it. it was, it's, it's amazing. But it's a practice of awareness, a muscle that you have to build. Over time, you begin to trust yourself, to discern it more clearly, more quickly, and to follow it with full faith. It is seriously the best gift and the life changer in my life, and I've made some of my most difficult decisions peacefully by listening and trusting my intuition. And I've had some of the most expansive, beautiful, amazing experiences by just following it. Now, if you're looking for more concrete steps than just that of what I shared with you, then take a look at the Istikhara prayer itself. If praying in the traditional way works for you, great. Do it. It's powerful. I took a closer look at it though, because I want to be able to receive this guidance even when I cannot pray, for whatever reason. And so here are the steps that I got by looking at it more closely. First step, physically prepare yourself in a heart and mind space to surrender. When performing the Salah prayer, this looks like doing wudu or finding a clean place facing the Qibla, exact, ex those kinds of things, right? Outside of the prayer, I do this by, again, what I mentioned, closing my eyes to eliminate all the distractions. I take deep, intentional breaths. I become more present in my body. Some people like to visualize to do this. Some people like to do thicker to do this. For me, I just pray. I just pray to God, and I call upon Him, and I say, God, it is you I seek. It is your guidance I desire. It is you I, I want to serve. Help me to feel you. Help me to, to hear you. Help me, guide me, hold me. And I keep praying like this until I feel connected to God's presence and I feel open to receive. It is important to note that if you're knowingly knowingly doing anything that is wrong or sinful without at least making the intention to be better, this can block your intuition and your alignment from God's path because our natural state is to be in a state of submission to God and His will and to do good for ourselves and others. So when you approach it from that place of submission and goodness and seeking truth, it will come to you. Anything else? I don't know. 
As part of the istikhara prayer, it is recommended you make your decision and offer two rakats, and then recite the specific dua. O God, behold, I ask you the good through your knowledge and ability through your power and beg your favor of your infinite bounty. For surely you have power, I have none. You know all, I know not. You are the great knower of all things, O God. If in your knowledge this matter is good for my faith, for my livelihood, and for the consequences of my affair in this world and the hereafter, then ordain it for me and make it easy for me and bless me therein. But if in your knowledge this matter is bad for my faith, for my livelihood, and the consequences of my affairs in this world and the hereafter, then turn it away from me. Turn me away from it and ordain for me the good wherever it may be and cause me to be pleased therein. Amen. In this dua are steps two and three. Well, two and three. Um, first, step two is to make um, your intention. Your intention is to suspend everything else and listen. Surrender and trust God as the best ultimate guide. You know God, all-knowing, I know none, right? So we humble ourselves in that, in that. And that is key because you can make yourself or think or believe anything, but don't use your, your intention to, or your intuition rather, to justify what you want. Use it to get the truth. Use it for true guidance. And you can only do so from a clear, sincere, intentional place, inshallah. And step three is to ask for guidance for that specific situation or decision. So you bring that to mind, you state it verbally, whatever, and you bring it to mind. So you can use the istikhara prayer. It's easily available online. You can, you know, you can do that to calm yourself, center yourself, and then have access your intuition, or simply just pray from your heart. While sticking to the same flow and essence of the istikhara prayer, I found that using the words that come naturally to my heart helps me to stay in that meditative, tuned-in state so I can listen better. And eventually, this is advanced stage, eventually it becomes a conversation, back and forth. You can hear, feel, and you can even ask more questions. The last step is to listen. Listen without judgment. Listen without your ego temptations or seeking justification. Suspend all of that long enough to listen. Once you have the guidance, then you can choose what to do with it, whether to follow it or not. By giving us free will, God has given us a huge responsibility and a right. Bless you. We are accountable for our own decisions, actions, and behaviors. So there is no sword hanging over your head to follow your intuition once you hear it. That was also a growing area for me. I thought once I hear it, Boom, I just have to. But once I let that off, 
it was so much easier and peaceful to then follow it. And I still choose to follow it, but now I follow it from that place of allowance versus I must follow it. There's a lot more that can be said on this topic. Um, I'm in fact teaching a full workshop next week on intuition as part of the five week course, but I'll give you details for that. What I wanna leave with you today are two things. Firstly, that assurance. I wanna give you the assurance that in the absence of guarantees, in the midst of confusion, overwhelm and frustration, just remember. Remember you already have the source within you, your own direct connection to God's guidance. Trust yourself to find it, to feel it, hear it, and know that you can surrender to it and use it. When you do, you're guaranteed success. It may or may not be obvious right away. It may or may not happen right away, or you may or may not understand why, but that is the best course you can take because it is from your Lord, your all-knowing, most bountiful creator. Take a deep breath. This is possible. This way of living your life is within your reach. The people you who get to witness you leading from this place of authenticity and confidence will be inspired by you. They will trust you and be more willing to follow your lead. They may not understand why or be able to name it, but they will feel your grounded presence and power. What really shifted for me last year when I started seeing myself as a faith leader is this understanding. It is not the titles. It is not the extensive educations and trainings as powerful as they are, and certainly not the high doses of automatic piety or perfection that make you a faith leader. A faith leader is someone grounded nourished, inspired, and guided by their deepest convictions and is in action with them. A faith leader does his or her best to live intentionally with integrity on those deepest convictions. They hold themselves to a higher standard than what will people say because they are whole focused on what gods think of them and they're striving for that. They're not perfect, I'm not perfect, but they, I, we, I hope, are all striving for Ehsan. And even as we are striving, we have value to offer now. Following my intuition as, as a faith leader, I, 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 I have my days and my moments, but I'm worthy. I'm worthy to be a faith leader the way I described it right now. And even with the knots in my tongue, the fast heartbeat, that anxiety in my chest, I'm ready. I'm enough. And I invite you, and I believe in you, that you are ready. You are enough. I make this distinction with the hope of faith leaders with titles and without titles, that it will empower you to see yourself as a faith leader. So you find the confidence to stand here 
and give a khutbah, and I'd love to be down there and receive your wisdom. Or give a pre-khutbah bayan, not just here, but in other mosques as well. You walk into space, spaces and speak your truth. Hold your heart, your, your gifts with honor and be the leader you have the potential to be in your homes, in your workplace, in the community, however you see it, however you are called. And when you hear the silence and the sound of your own unspoken thoughts in your head, that might tell you you are not enough, or you're not this or not that, you give them a voice because you know you trust your intuition and trust that God is always with you, protecting you, guiding you, and is much above than any other thought or idea. God commands justice, doing good, and generosity towards relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Quran chapter 16, verse 90. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer restrains the human from lewd and wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater, and God knows everything you are doing. Chapter 2945. Okay, I'll give Arabic a shot. Wa kimna asala. Let's perform salah. 